Thank you for joining us for another life-giving message from City Church Now in Progress. So here it is. I'm going to go fast and furious. Uh, John chapter 2, John chapter 2 is our anchor text for this morning, and I'm going to go quickly. Amen? John chapter 2 is our anchor text for this morning. I've chosen for the title for this sermon series, Level Up. Somebody say, Level Up. And I believe wholeheartedly that God wants for you and I to level up. Do we have any gamers in the house? Gamers, video games? One, uh, two, yeah, 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 yeah. Power to the people, what's it? Power to the players. GameStop, we've got a VP from GameStop. So they understand this whole idea of video games. I have been told, (laughs) I have been told, Uh, I don't know this for a fact, but I have been told by certain ladies that one of the least sexy things is a grown man sitting in front of a console playing video games all day long. Yeah. I see some snaps right there, right there. So, so let me put out this disclaimer. I am not a gamer, never was a gamer. Well, no, 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 years ago, years ago, man, years ago when I was real young, in the, in the early 80s, growing up, uh, y'all know I'm, I'm from Liberia, growing up in Liberia, I had a buddy of mine, Jerry Findlay, and we played video games. Yeah. Anybody remember Chopper Command? One person, that's it? No, Chopper Command, see another one, Chopper Command was my jam. Do we have a graphic of Chopper Command? Right, come on somebody. That's what video games looked like back in the day. (laughs) And that was cutting edge technology. You see all those helicopters? That was Chopper Command. And and I think I got a picture, I got a picture of the console we played on. Uh, It was the Atari Flashback. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about? But that joystick, that was the jam. Now, the objective of every video game, right, 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 right here. <laughs> right here. The objective of every video game is to do what? To level up. You want to move from where you are to the next level. God's desire for each of us this year is that we will level up in every area of our lives. In a video game, when you level up, you typically acquire new skills, new weapons, and new abilities. But how many of you realize that on the next level, you also encounter new devils, new adversaries, greater opposition? How many of you realize that when you level up, the game is a lot faster than it was on the last level? So while God is calling us to level up in 2019, He's also preparing us for what lies ahead, new challenges that will require us to fully align our lives with him in order to win on the next level. Level up. And the first thing he said is, Ray, tell City Church that if they're going to experience the more that I've already prepared for them, if they're going to access the more that I already have in store, it will require them to level up in their obedience. 
y'all got quiet on me. That's not what we want to hear. What we want to hear is do whatever you want to do, whenever you want to do it, however you want to do it, and grace covers it all. And I, I'm, a, I'm a huge believer in grace. Everything we have, everything we do is by the grace of God. Yet Paul, who taught us everything we know about grace, said it this way. He said, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Hmm? You've heard us say it here before. That truth without grace is mean, but grace without truth is meaningless. Most of us want a meaningless gospel where all we hear is grace and grace and grace and grace. But grace without truth is meaningless. And that's why the scripture says in John chapter 1 that Jesus came full of what? Grace and truth. And the truth of God will compel us to live a life of obedience. And the grace of God will help us where we fall short. Are y'all with me? That is balanced gospel. We can't excuse our lifestyle in the name of grace. Y'all want to see an example of it? The woman is caught in adultery. Jesus confronts her face to face. What does he say to the woman caught in adultery? He says, woman, neither do I condemn you. Grace, go and sin no more, truth. So in 2019, God is calling us to level up in our obedience to the truth of his word. Because obedience will give us access to the first door to the more that he has in store. Are y'all with me? Okay, I promise you I'm going to go fast. So in John chapter 1, I mean, I'm sorry, John chapter 2, somebody say level up. We're going to level up in our obedience so that we can access the more that God has in store. So here we are, John chapter 2 and verse 1. It says, on the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there. Ah, that verse alone is loaded. For the sake of time, I won't exegete or I will do my best not to exegete just that one verse. Verse 2 says, now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? This ain't my problem. Why are you telling me? But notice his mother's response in verse 5. Mary responds with these words. Whatever he says to you, do it. If there's something you and I need to adopt in 2019, it is John chapter 2 and verse 5. Do you want access to more of what God has in store? <laughs> the secret is right here in verse 5. In 2018, whatsoever he says to you, listen to me, whatsoever he says to you, whatsoever he says to you, do it. You know what, what Mary was saying? 
to the people who hurt her, she was saying, level up in your obedience. Because you're about to receive some illogical instructions. It's not going to make sense to your natural mind. It's not going to make sense to your intellect and your logic. But whatever he says to you, do it. Uh, let, me, let, me, let me put this in perspective. Uh, the scripture says that they are in Cana of Galilee. Cana was one of 204 towns and villages in Galilee. Uh, it was a metropolis of sorts. Uh, not only that, Cana was approximately eight miles from Nazareth. And you know that in Nazareth, there wasn't a whole lot going on. It was one of the most economically depressed communities in that region. In fact, when people spoke about Nazareth, they say, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? You guys already know that. And that was Jesus' hometown. This was only eight miles from Jesus' hometown. Yet Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Jesus and his disciples were all invited to this wedding. That infers that there was some type of relationship. It could have been a close family friend, or it could have been a relative. The scripture is not clear on who these people were or the nature of the relationship, but the fact that Mary was there and that Jesus and his disciples were invited infers that they knew this couple. How many married folk we got in this room? Happiest day of your life. You plan for months. You dream about that special day for most Ladies, they start dreaming of that day when they turn three. <laughs> They've got the colors picked up. They've got the dress picked up. This is no afterthought. This is a celebratory time. But what is also true of this moment is that in Jewish culture, it's a lot like Liberians. In Liberia, if you're having a party, the whole world is invited. Yeah. In fact, in Jewish culture, it was honorable for the host to invite as many people as possible because part of Jewish culture was hospitality, even to strangers. So in Liberia, I might get a call from my boy, uh, uh, Bobby Crawford. Bobby's from Liberia. And I say, uh, hey, Pastor Ray, what are you doing this weekend? Oh, I'm going to a wedding. Oh, yeah? Who getting married? So-and-so getting married. Oh, yeah. Can I come? Oh, yeah, come on, let's go. In fact, I will pick you up at 7. And we show up. And we turn up. Did I just say turn up? That's how we do it. You ain't got to be on the guest list. If you know somebody who knows somebody, you just show up. And this is how we do it. You don't show up to the wedding. You show up to the reception. <laughs> and you don't just show up at the reception. You show up at the reception when they start serving the food. That's what's happening right here. So it's this, and that's Jewish culture. So it's this beautiful idea of this couple getting married in Cana of Galilee. It's only eight miles from Nazareth. Some of the commentators say that this may have been a family of meager means. Yet there's something about hospitality in the culture that says, man, as many people as possible can show up. So Jesus shows up. He's at the wedding. He's an invited guest. 
and they run out of wine. Have you ever been in the middle of celebrating the most important moment or season of your life and the unexpected happened? Yeah, that's what we're witnessing here. In the middle of this wedding, they run out of wine. Let me tell you a second reason that is significant. Here's a second reason that's significant. Because Galilee is one of the foremost wine-growing regions in all of Israel, even to this day. So if you show up at a wedding in Cana, you getting the good stuff. You getting it fresh off the vine, the best of the best. So there is an expectation from these guests that when I show up at this party, there's going to be good wine and there's going to be a whole lot of it. And on the first day of the wedding, they run out. Can I tell you why that's critical? I'll tell you why that's critical because according to Jewish custom, Parties, especially weddings, lasted as long as seven days. You're tired, right? Here you are doing the first dance. That's how we do it in Liberia. First dance. And they're whispering behind you. They didn't tell the bride and groom. This is Mary in the kitchen. Anybody ever helped at a wedding behind the scenes? This is Mary in the kitchen. And the people who are doing the serving are coming to the kitchen. Hey, we need more wine. We, we, we need more wine. And they're looking, scrambling everywhere for wine, and they're out of wine. I don't know about you, but there have been moments and seasons in my life where in spite of all the planning and dotting every I and crossing every T, you run out of what you need right when you need it. And in that moment, Mary turns to Jesus and she says to Jesus, fix it. Jesus says, this ain't my problem. Yet his mother says to him, or to the people there at the party, the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Whatever he says to you, do it. So Jesus turns to the servants. And Jesus begins to give them what on all accounts is an illogical instruction. Verse number six. The scripture says, now there was set there six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. When you do the math, there was anywhere from 120 gallons to 180 gallons that those jars could hold. And Jesus says to the servants, notice the instruction. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. An illogical instruction. May I submit to you that this year you may find yourself in a place where things have turned out not the way you planned or expected and God will give you an illogical instruction that makes absolutely no sense to your mind. Jesus says, 
filled these six pots, 120 to 180 gallons of water. Notice their response. The scripture says that they filled the pots to the brim. Here's the second thing about obedience. Partial obedience is disobedience. And may I also submit to you that obedience is the litmus test for faith. You and I can scream about how much we are people of faith, but your faith and what I claim about faith will always be tested by my obedience. If God says fill the water pot, I fill the water pot. And not just fill it, I fill it to the brim because obedience is the litmus test of faith. And notice what happens. The scripture says Jesus gave them a second instruction. They obeyed the first, filled the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he gives them a second instruction, and he says, now draw some of that water out now and take it to the master of the feast. Can I just stop there and say as as I prepare to close? That most of us wrestle with God because when God gives us an instruction, we miss what he's really saying. When God gives us an instruction, we think he's saying, make wine. But Jesus isn't saying make wine in your situation. All he's saying is fill the pot with water. Some of y'all missed that. We know what we need. We need wine. But sometimes the instruction of God doesn't match what we need. And that's where we begin to wrestle with God and begin to intellectualize God's response. He didn't tell him to make wine. He told them to fill the pot with water. And so in 2019, what God is asking of us is not to try to explain how this is going to happen, when it's going to happen, who's going to do it. Our part is to simply obey the instruction. Well, why are you going to put water in this pot? This pot is for purification. This is the pot that people draw water out of to wash their hands and wash their feet so that they're ceremonially clean. This ain't got nothing to do with wine. Jesus, if you want wine, go to the vineyard and get wine. Yet Jesus says right here, right where you are with what you have, I'm going to do the miracle. Your part is obedience. My part is the outcome. And he says to them, do something that makes absolutely no sense. And so they pour water into the, into the vessels. I think we have a picture of them. Kind of gives us an idea of what those jars look like. Do we have a picture of them? That's what they look like. And so he tells them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. Notice their response. Jesus, you trying to make, me a, make a fool out of me? The people said they need wine. I put water in this jar. Now you want me to take this water out of the jar and take it to these people? And that's the way most of us are with God. When he gives us an instruction. We try to explain what God is doing and how he should do it. And we try to inform God of the way it should be. No, notice their response. Draw the water out, and they drew the water out, and they took it. 
Can I, can I tell you something about obedience? Obedience is an attitude first before it's an action. Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 19 says, if you be willing and obedient, if you be willing, the attitude, and obedient, the action, you will eat the fruit of the land. You know what Isaiah was saying? He was saying there's more, but the way you and I tap into more is number one, having the right attitude and then the right action. And so they did exactly, exactly what Jesus told them. In verse number nine, it says, when the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made in wine, that was made into wine and did not know where it came from. Come on, somebody. That's what God's going to do in some of our lives this year. He's going to do it, and we're not even going to be able to explain how he did it, where it came from. Can I tell you something else that I love about this miracle? Is that God was moving on the behalf of the bride and groom, and they knew absolutely nothing about it. All they knew was that they were having a wedding. They had run out of wine and didn't even know it. Yet God was moving on their behalf. Without their effort, without their intervention, God had already, had already made provision for their greatest need to cover what would have been their greatest embarrassment. Can I just suggest to you that maybe this year there will be conversations happening about you that you aren't even privy to? That God is already moving on the behalf of people to bless you, to cover you in the place of your shame, to meet you in the place of your need, and all you have to do is simply obey? Absolutely. 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 That right now, God can be dealing with somebody's heart on your behalf. You have a need and have no idea how that need will be met, but God is already at work on your behalf. Bride and groom had no idea. Notice what happens. It says, when the master of the feast had tasted the wine that was made and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn it out knew, the master of the feast called the groom. Verse 10. He said to him, yo, bruh. He said, I've been in this wedding planning business for a minute. I know how we do it. Every wedding we go to, they bring out the best wine first. And then they save the ripple for later. Come on, anybody know about that? That Thunderbird? Come on. Anybody know about that Schlitz? That Mad Dog 2020? That Colt 45 and that Lowenbrow? Old Milwaukee? Where all this coming from? <laughs> Pastor had always been saved. Come on. Some of y'all had them. Let me leave that alone. The wedding planner's blown away. He said, hold up, hold up. I've done this for a minute. And every wedding I've been to, they bring the best out first. And when the guests have well drunk, then they bring out the inferior. Let me explain what that means. In Jewish culture, 
because some of the parties could go as long as seven days. What they would do is, it wasn't that they always brought out inferior wine. They would mix the wine with water so it would stretch a little bit longer and therefore was diluted. He said, hold up, man. He says, you've kept the good wine. You have kept the good wine until now. You have kept the good wine until now. And this is where I close. I have friends in ministry all around the the country. Some of them pastor large churches, some of them pastor small churches. And for most of them, not all of them, but about 80% of them, 2018 was the year when they came closest to quitting. In fact, just the other day, I was watching a, a, a message from John Gray on YouTube. And, and John Gray, you know, was the, 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 the singles pastor at Lakewood Church, largest church in America, now pastor's relentless church in South Carolina. In fact, he still preaches at Lakewood Church and does their midweek services. And in the midst of all this success, in the midst of all this success, two New York Times best-selling books, He said he almost took his own life in 2018. As I've talked to people, even in our congregation, 2018 was one of the toughest years they ever experienced, and some of them are sitting in the room right now. They said, Pastor Ray, what, what does that have to do with anything? Can I just simply say this? Maybe your 2018 looked like this wedding. When you were on the verge of being embarrassed in front of all your guests. When you almost became the laughing stock of all of Cana. When people were looking at you and saying, let me see how good your God going to be good uh, to you. Can I just simply say this? That our God has saved the best. Listen to me. Our God has saved the best for right now. For this moment. You thought you lost the best of what you had. You thought you ran out of everything you knew to fix and buy and supply and every guest need will be met, but the unexpected happened and you thought, you thought, It was all lost. But can I submit to you this morning, City Church, that our God is not the God of what you lost. He is the God of what you have left. And can I say to you, in spite of anything, everything in your family, I'm seeing survivors in the room this morning. Mariah Scott. And 2018 may have felt like the year to throw in the towel, the year to give up. But I hear the Lord say that your 2019 is not just going to be the year when he does more. At the end of the party, you end up with 180 gallons of the best wine in the city. 
It's not just going to be more. But your 2019 is going to be better. And the bridge from being totally depleted to having more than enough is your obedience. It's going to be your obedience to the seemingly illogical instruction that will take you from what you have now to more than enough. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we come to you now in Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more details about City Church and for other resources, visit us online at www.citychurchtv.com or contact us via email at info at citychurchtv.com. If you were encouraged or inspired by today's message, we ask that you prayerfully consider partnering with us financially, either in a one-time gift or as a monthly partner. No gift is too small. We have three convenient ways for you to give. Via our website at citychurchtv.com backslash give. Via text, text citychurchtv and the amount that you would like to give to 77977. By mail, mail your check or money order to City Church Global Ministries, 8105 Razor Boulevard, Box 90, Plano, Texas, 75024. Once again, thank you for downloading today's message. We look forward to connecting with you soon.